Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip. This episode is brought to you in part by Regent College, Vancouver, Canada. Experience God's call to a life more abundant with our one- to two-week summer courses. Sign up today at rgnt.net slash summer. Hello, this is Russell Moore, and this is Signposts. Someone asked me the other day to talk about how we and our family do family devotions, family worship. And I have to tell you, I'm initially reluctant to do that. And and the reason that I'm reluctant to do that is because I think sometimes when people talk about family devotions or, or family worship, it's easy to sort of take whatever happens to work for us and make that into kind of a mandate. This is what you need to you need to do in your own home in order to do this uh, effectively. And that is that is not what I want to do here today. And the reason for that is I think that a really rigorous, exalted view of family worship and family devotions can actually end up in discouraging people from doing it because um, sometimes if people look and they see what other people do with family devotions, they can say, oh, I just can't imagine uh, doing that in my home, and so they just don't. Here's what I want to say about family devotions. The Bible tells us as parents to teach our children, and that is that is not something that is simply given over to the church or to a children's minister or, or a youth minister. The iconic passage that always comes up in this sort of uh, conversation in Deuteronomy 6, you teach your children as you walk and as you live, and you, you answer questions from those children, and you teach them in the ways of the Lord. And that's especially true when you have a situation such as, such as the one that we have now, where increasingly, just in terms of time, the time that children have within the teaching ministry of the church is, is getting smaller and smaller all the time. That, that's especially true in very intact sort of uh, evangelical denominational uh, communities. I mean, and that's happened very quickly. I mean, when I was a kid and a teenager, I would be every Sunday morning at church at 9.30 for a time of assembly where we would be, we would be taught uh, something from the Scripture. Then we would be sent off to Sunday school where we were being taught through the Bible. Then we would have Sunday morning worship from 11 to 12-ish. Then I would be back uh, at the church. We would have a youth choir 
that we were expected to be a part of, which really wasn't so much about singing as it was uh, being taught uh, the, the, the things of God as, we, as we're there together. Then there would be what we called training union, later on discipleship training, where you came together and you learned discipleship, uh, issues of how to follow Christ in discipleship and how to, and then in my tradition, the Baptist tradition, Baptist distinctives. Why do we believe in believer's baptism? Why do we believe in religious liberty? Why do we believe in separation of church and state? So forth and so on. Uh, And then we would have Sunday evening service uh, that would include preaching from the Word. And then we would be together on Wednesday nights when I was a kid for something called Royal Ambassadors, where we would be taught about missions and God's heart for the nations, and then how we were cooperating together for missions. And uh, and then later on, being in Wednesday night uh, prayer meeting, which also included Bible instruction, and then several other things during the week. So the whole week was held together by the rhythm of the church, which included heavy, heavy teaching. Uh, I mean, increasingly now, many and, and maybe even most evangelical kids and teenagers are, are, are really only at their churches, maybe for, for something like Sunday school and then for a Sunday morning service. And in a lot of cases, that's it. So even if you were wanting to outsource uh, Bible teaching to the church, you, your kids are, are seeing more television advertising than they are hearing Scripture, even in the most rigorously Christian home. So family devotions and family worship are necessary. That doesn't mean, though, that the Bible gives us any uh, particular form of family devotion and family worship. That's going to to differ from family to family to family. I know some families that have a a really formalized sort of uh, family devotion where they sing hymns or praise songs together, and and, uh, it's just a very formal time. That's not what we do in our home. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If that's what works for you and for your family, uh, have at it. I remember, though, being uh, as a kid, I went to a uh, a friend's house who was in a much, much more fundamentalist stream of Christianity than mine, and I remember the family devotion time being a a heavy, burdensome kind of boring, almost oppressive experience, and and uh, I remember thinking, I don't ever want to to do that. And so that that stays kind of in the back of my mind all the time. I want to make sure that that's not the case. So here's what we do in, in terms of our family. And you just sort of take this and, and, and use whatever you can and, and don't use what you, you can't. I've found that family devotion time works for us best at the dinner table. And uh, we're, we're gathered around the dinner table. We're, we're eating anyway. And what we'll do is to start with asking the blessing for the food. Sometimes we will take some prayer requests about before we bless the food. Sometimes we'll take a Christmas card of, of someone or a, my students at Southern used to give me prayer cards uh, asking for prayer requests. We still have those, and, and uh, sometimes we'll pray for one of, one of them. And, and then we'll, we'll just pray and, and bless the food, and then we'll just talk about the, the stuff you would normally talk about, what's going on in the day, uh, and so forth. Then, at some point, what I will do 
is to read um, a passage of Scripture. Sometimes what we will do is we will go through particular books, but in our situation, we have kids that range from 14 all the way down to four. So that gives a, a particular challenge to be able to, to talk about things that are going to be able to connect both with the four-year-old and with the 14-year-olds. Um, but we might go through particular books of the Bible. Sometimes I have used uh, devotional books as well, the Jesus Storybook Bible we've used before, those, those sorts of things. And sometimes one thing that's helpful to me, and uh, I wonder if some of your churches do this, or, or maybe if you, if you could, is uh, one of my son's Sunday school teacher will send out material about what they talked about in Sunday school the week before and uh, give some hints about the sorts of illustrations that they used. And I found if I have that and I come in and I just raise those issues, it does a number of things. It, it immediately perks up my son who's in that class because he he, you, wait a minute, how do, you know what we, what we talked about and what we did, and it helps to reinforce uh, whatever it was that was taking place in that Sunday school. I think that would be great if every children's Sunday school teacher uh, did that sort of thing and helped parents. And I think that's, that's especially true to help parents who don't have experience with family devotions at all. Yeah, a lot of parents, they came to Christ later on, or they maybe they were Christians in an early age, but they grew up in a home where they never had family devotions, and it can seem kind of weird and awkward uh, to do that. So any sort of helps that you can find. For us, keeping it short is helpful. Keeping the attention span of the kids and not turning this again into, into something uh, burdensome. And then uh, I found it's helpful just to sort of throw the floor open for questions that people have about anything, uh, either what we've just talked about or anything else. Now, here's the thing. My kids are not some sort of uh, sanctified Stepford uh, children, so it's not as though we're going to have the kinds of questions that Jesus is asking in the temple. Uh, sometimes we will have really, really good, insightful questions, and sometimes we'll have questions that have to do with, um, you know, last week's episode of The Flash uh, on television or about uh, a Lego set or something like that. That doesn't freak me out. And, and so don't, don't get frustrated by that sort of thing. I think what's important is making it clear to your children that the gospel is something natural to you. It's something that, that really does have to do with how you're living your life in every other way and, and talking through those things. I've found it's helpful for me at those moments also to ask for forgiveness when I need to ask for forgiveness. So sometimes I've made a wrong decision in parenting one of the kids, or maybe I've, I've been overly harsh in a punishment or something like that, and to say publicly to, to that child, hey, I overreacted when you told me such and such, and, and I should not have done that. Will you forgive me of this? In front of the other children, uh, what I want to do with that is not only to restore that relationship, but also to, to model for my kids that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of God's grace, 
and I'm in need of uh, I'm in need of forgiveness uh, from from other people, including from them. That's a that's in our house. That's a good time to do that. I don't do that nearly as often as I should, but that's something that that works for us. And then to have a time where I I just say, what should we be praying about together as a family? Now you tend to get into uh, ruts where they're always going to ask for the same things, but don't worry about that. It, that'll be broken up though when there is something on the mind of of one of them, particularly that that, that comes up, and then to have a time of prayer for them. And for me, I specifically pray at that time. You talk about a rut, but it's an intentional rut. I pray for the salvation of all five of those boys. I pray that they would be godly Christian men. I pray that if it's God's will for them to be married, that, that they would marry a godly Christian woman and that they would, uh, they would raise up uh, godly Christian children. And so I'm, I'm intentionally praying now, there at the table, for a four-year-old's wife and children and, and, and everybody else. And um, that's for two reasons. One is I want to consistently come before God and ask for that. And I also want them to know as we're praying together that our goal is for them to mature into men who are going to be taking over responsibility for the spiritual uh, and otherwise leadership of others. Um, I'll often pray also, God, will you give them uh, gifts to use in your church? and uh, let them know what those, those gifts are so that they can uh, build up the body of Christ. And, I, and when I do that, I always try to make very, very clear that I'm not expecting them to be ministers as I am. I, I never want that to be the expectation that is hanging over their, their heads because I don't know if God's going to call them into ministry, and I kind of hope that he doesn't just because... Sometimes I've seen it when you have a dad who is really defined by ministry, and then the children come along in ministry, it can be, uh, I don't know, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't uh, sometimes it ends up with a kind of uh, searching for identity for those uh, children in ministry. So I'm, I'm praying for my sons to be, you know, plumbers or airmen or physicists or whatever it is that, that God equips them to do, but I want them thinking now about how is it that they are going to be contributing parts of the body of Christ within their local congregations as well. So it's not just that I want them to be, you know, a plumber and a good plumber who's faithful to Christ. I, I want them to be a plumber who's faithfully teaching Sunday school or who's faithfully leading a homeless ministry or whatever it is that God gifts them to do within their local congregations. I want that to be on their minds now as they're in their, their formative times. And then we'll end that and move right on to uh, sometimes we'll be reading through a book, and by that I don't mean I don't mean as part of the devotions, but when they were really little, uh, we might uh, read through where the wild things are. And then as they grew older, maybe through uh, the Chronicles of, of Narnia or some other book that they just find to be fun. I want this to be a fun sort of natural family experience that is woven in. Now, you're not going to be able to do that necessarily every night. Don't get discouraged about that. And, and if you haven't done it, then set a little goal for yourself to say, I'm going to try to do this once every two weeks. Try it then. 
And, and then, you know, once you kind of get that going, then maybe once a week. And uh, don't, don't allow a legalistic perfectionism to keep you from, from starting to lead your family in family worship and do some stops and starts. Trying to, you're going to, you're going to try certain things that you're going to say, ah, that's not the way we ought to do it with our family. Let's try a different way. That's okay. The important thing is that you're signaling to your family, we really think it's important that you are grounded and that you are raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts.